but uh, they were a better team and certainly deserve um, the uh, series. So, uh, questions? Fire. How do you fix next year what happened this year? Well, we got our work cut out for us, and, uh, you know, obviously we're, you know, we've got some decisions to make. Um, uh, with uh, guys in the locker room and free agency and such, and so um, you know, clearly to have more than one or two guys that can you know create opportunities and shots and that type of thing, that's important. Um, we've got a bunch of free agents, so it's uh, it's going to be an active uh, summer for us. Second straight summer with so many free agents. How do you approach that differently this summer? I don't know that you approach it differently. I mean, you know, that locker room is laced with winners, you know, and guys that uh, did something really special last year. This year we ran into a buzzsaw, and they are certainly deserving of, of uh, the series, and I think they're a real contender. Um, you know, we'd love to have those guys back. It's all, you know, at what price, and um, they've got decisions to make. They're, you know, they're, their agents have decisions to make. We've got decisions to make, and so, um, you know, certainly we'd love to have, you know, those guys back at the right price. Last night, in regards to free agency, Cuban said he didn't have a plan. Do you guys have a plan today? Well, I mean, it's a it's a it's a, it's a, it's a combination. You know, it's you know, it's like um, anything else in life. You've you know, you've got to have you know your A, B, C, D, and E, and so and so on. But you also understand that it's you know this is uh, uh, global plate tectonics. Things are moving. You know, and um, situations are fluid. And um, so yeah, you've you know, you go into it with eyes wide open, and you know, hopefully, you can come out of it with, uh, you know, with what you want. Connie's already got in your mind that him. Um, he's been great. Uh, he's been he's been a warrior. Um, you know, just uh, one of the probably one of the fiercest competitors I've ever been around. Uh, that's why he was able to stick around a long time because he. You know, he still has it. Um, he can make big shots. He competes on defense. He doesn't care about stats. And uh, he's been a great friend off the floor, too. So, just... Um and welcome, everyone, to RF Sports Radio. You just heard some live audio from the Dallas Mavericks. That was GM, Donnie Nelson, also, of course, Superstar Dirt. Welcome to our program. Again, you can find us online by going to dot rfsportsradio.com or following us on Twitter at twitter.com slash rfsportsradio. Again, you can always email us, rfsportsradio at gmail.com. And, of course, we we'll bring up my co-host real quick. Royce, welcome to the program, sir. You heard some of these Dallas Mavericks. You had a chance to follow them this season. we got a lot to talk about uh, when it comes to the team here in Dallas. Well, Ronnie, you know, it's funny that you started the show off with that because I happen to be at that exit interview uh, with the math, some good things came out of it, some bad things came out of it. But now that I'm over the fact that the uh, Mavericks have been eliminated from the playoffs, I'm starting to enjoy the playoffs a little bit. Some pretty good games going on. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about, not just Mavericks, but also the NBA playoffs as a whole, a couple of series coming to a, to an end. Also, of course, we talk about the big night of Josh Hamilton, what he was able to do that only 16 players have done in wow. Major League Baseball. Wow, what a night. And then, of course, we get into some NFL talk as well, too. And, of course, we can't talk NBA, Royce, without bringing on our great friend, uh, Mr. Derek Page from HoopsWorld.com, NBA writer for HoopsWorld, 
Again, you can follow him at D-Page Hoops Word on Twitter. We bring him on real quick. Mr. Page, welcome to the uh, program again. What's going on? Hey, Mr. Page, how you doing? Roy, sir. How you doing today, sir? Doing fine. Hey, man, we got a lot to talk about. We got a lot of NBA stuff to talk about, so I'm glad you have a chance to join us tonight. You were on our preview show when we talked originally about the playoffs. Now we got a couple of series coming to an end. So before we get into the Dallas OKC series, San Antonio puts an end to Utah 4-0 in the swoop that we all thought. Did you learn anything new about San Antonio that you didn't already know <laughs> during that series? Of course, we know they're a great team. Not really. I mean, Utah has a, a pretty good front line in terms of Millsap and uh, um, who's their center? Yeah, that's a great question. Anyways, I mean, they play everybody yeah, I mean, in the center, it seems like. <laughs> well, see, the, the problem with, with San Antonio we is they don't have maybe. great interior defense. And so when they go up against a team like the Lakers that has Pau Gasol and Andrew Bynum, they're going to have a lot more difficulty or, you know, I guess the, in the next round they're going up against uh, either – hold on. Let me check this out. Because in the next round they're, they're going to have a lot more stiff competition. That's their real weakness is their interior defense, which Utah really didn't take advantage of. Paul Millsap had a horrible series, didn't shoot the ball very well. And, you know, San Antonio did what they were supposed to do. They were, they were supposed to put away the Jazz pretty quickly, and they accomplished that feat. Yeah, and and I think you're right. I think, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to really watch San Antonio much during the season, but for what I've seen here in the playoffs, they're going to be – they have to be considered at least a top team uh, in the West. I would think so. Royce, you've seen them pretty well close up. What do you think? Well, you know, I, me personally, I think the San Antonio Spurs took a page from the Dallas Mavericks uh, where they show you can win a championship with role players, and that's what I see with San Antonio – is how these role players play in the next round of playoffs. We know they're a good team, but how good is the bench compared to what they've been all year? That's a great that's a great point. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, they're going to be a team to reckon with. I mean, people try to consider them as the oldest team in the league, and really they're not. We saw the oldest team right. in the league, <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk about them. Indiana wraps up their series over Orlando 4-1 tonight after beating – Orlando went to submission tonight. I beat him about, about 30 points. Yeah. <laughs> 20 points, I'm sorry. Beat him by 20 points tonight. So, puts the end of their season. Now, let's talk about the Mavs real quick. All three of us had a chance to follow the Mavs. And, uh, Derek, of course, you, you followed them to a T. Any surprises about seeing them getting swept? I know me and you both thought it would go at least seven games. Unfortunately, we got short of three. <clears throat> Yeah, I definitely didn't have them winning the series, but I thought that they would they, they would have at least won a couple of games, especially at home. And if you look at the series, they really had three games that were a microcosm of the entire Mavericks season. And that was game gotcha. one, game two, and game four. They, they had a chance to win each of those games, um, and they just couldn't come through in the clutch. And that's been the story all year long. They, they haven't been able to have those quality possessions at the end of games like they did last season, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. So this was a team that was just doomed from the start. Without Tyson Chandler down low, it, it was going to be tough sledding, especially when the competition got stiff. But, you know, 
it's not like the Mavericks got beat by an also ran in the West here. I think Oklahoma City is one of you know, three or four basketball teams in the NBA that has a legit shot of winning a championship this year. So you you have to look at it like, okay, they were in it for three games. They had a 13-point lead in the last game. They they showed a lot of heart. I think this team's going to retool in the offseason and, and be right back in the mix next year. Well, you know, I think we had a preview of what this team is going to be like. Christmas Day, the opening day of basketball, when they couldn't close out Miami. And you're absolutely right. That's been their problem all year, not being able to close out teams. And uh, Carlisle spoke all year about matchups. They didn't have the matchups like they had last year. Uh, they fell short. Uh, I don't think anybody expected a lot out of this team. And the way this season started out with the lockout, it was a thrown-together team the way. That's why I feel about it. Well, we know kind of what's happened to the Mavericks, and now the biggest question, now they're finally out of the playoffs, and this is going to be a big question, well, no matter what they did this season, is what are they going to do in the off season? You know, and a lot of people putting blame in different places from uh, the players themselves, even Dirk, the, the superstar that's been here for, what, now 14 seasons. And, of course, they're going to put a lot of blame on the owner, Mark Cuban. So if you had to put, play the blame game, who gets most of the credit, you think, Derek, for the season that the Mavs have had? I think it's, it's got to be Mark Cuban, a combination between Mark Cuban and, and his advisors that briefed him on the new collective bargaining agreement. Because, you know, as you saw, he's really scared of, of, the, of the new ramifications of the, of the new CBA. And that's why he let Chandler go. That's, that's why he let all those guys go, really, is because he, he didn't want to be put in a situation where he had zero flexibility and an older basketball team. Now, whether that's the right idea or the wrong idea remains to be seen. I mean, if, if this team can get Darren Williams in the offseason and, and get some good deals on some veterans and comes back retooled next season and, and competes and is, is a legitimate contender in the Western Conference, then we're all going to say Mark Cuban was a genius. Now, you can't get Darren Williams and you can't really get anybody to come here and you, you've lost the you know, there's no argument that Tyson Chandler was the best center in the history of this franchise. And right. to just let that guy go and to not get anything this next summer is, is well, it would just be disastrous to his reputation as an owner. But that being said, this team still won an NBA championship last season. <laughs> and there's, there, there's no taking away from that. This team will always yeah. be an NBA champion. Royce, who gets the blame, you think? Well, I, I have to give it to Mark Cuban. I'm, I'm with you guys. I think that uh, he didn't give his team a chance to defend the championship, and that's what made me mad about it. He let six players go, and two of them were, which were starters, you know, and not try to at least keep two of the six guys. I don't understand that to me. They're going to have to blow this team up this year like they did last year. That's the bad thing about it because they're going to at least lose at least six players this year. So I, I, I put all the blame on Mark Cuban. You know, the funny thing with me is I, I, I wonder what does Mark Cuban know that no hardly any other owner in the NBA knows. You don't see anyone in the NBA just completely dumping a team the way Mark Cuban did, especially after winning a, a championship. Yep, and right. I, it, I can't just question the fact that he dumped a bunch of players, Derek, but he also, after winning a championship, didn't offer Rick Carlisle a new contract as well either. 
Well, that, that's actually been his policy since he got here. Coaches generally go into the last year without a contract extension. And I think it gives both sides flexibility in terms of Carlisle. If he decides, hey, I don't want to be a part of this team, or, you know, you, you don't have to make a rash decision right after the playoffs. But I think for all intents and purposes, Rick Carlisle is going to be the coach of this team. He's the best coach in the history of the Mavericks. He's the only coach that's ever won an NBA championship, obviously. And judging by what he said, both, um, after the last game of the season and in exit interviews, I mean, he's toting the company line all the way, you know, to the end. So he's going to be back as a coach next season. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, I, I hope that's too. But uh, I think Carlisle can write his own ticket right now because I think the Knicks are looking for a coach. And uh, if it's about the money, he can take that job and be happy. But I, I think it's going to be a long summer for uh Mark Cuban and these decisions he have to make, especially concerning Rick Carlisle. I would love to have him back because he even took a team this year that had no chance of even making it to the playoffs, all the way to the playoffs. So that does say a lot about the guy. You know, you, you brought up a great point. You know, the Knicks job is going to be open. I mean, apparently the, the report came out uh, today that the Knicks have not made contact with Mike Woodson about offering him a contract to coach his team long term. Of course, that could be smoke and mirrors. We know how that happens in sports nowadays. But if you call out and you have an opportunity to coach the Knicks, it's got to be pretty enticing yeah. to go coach Carmelo Anthony, Mari Stoudemire, uh, an emerging and, and that's Jeremy a Lin, and then to stay with Mark Cuban, not knowing what team they're going to have next year. And that's a talented team in New York. So he it wouldn't take him a year or two to build that team. They are, it's ready-made. And Derek, I'm going to get your opinion on that real quick. Yeah, and, and, you know, another team out there is the Portland Trailblazers. They got a young core in in, uh, Batoon and LaMarcus Aldridge that I'm sure Carlisle would love. But I don't think there's any doubt that he stays in Dallas. Uh, Cuban's going to pay him whatever he wants. Yeah, a lot more money. If he stays in Dallas, who's he going to be coaching next year? Well, I, I, Dirk, for sure. I think that's one hundred percent. We know that. We know that. <laughs> Other than that, it's it's pretty up in the air. I I, I think because Vince Carter's owed three million next season, and if you cut him, you still have to pay him two point four million. It still goes on the books. I think they keep him just because six hundred thousand dollars isn't going to mean anything in terms of cap room. Um, I think Jan comes back unless another team offers him more money. I think the Mavs will offer him the better minimum to come and have a chance to start. I know the hope is is that uh, Darren Williams is going to be the starting point guard for this team. If it's not Darren Williams, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Mavs go after uh, Goran Dragic, uh, maybe even Steve Nash, although that would make this team even older. Oh, no. No, it's like having Jason Kidd. <laughs> okay, what's what, what's wrong with Steve oh, Nash? No. You know, reunite, reuniting him with Dirk, and, and giving it one you know little push. I mean, I know he's like having Jason Kidd here, but I think Steve Nash is showing a little more uh, you know athleticism than Kidd has. Although you know, Kidd is a floor general. Well, the, the first point is Steve Nash might not come back because he just took the job as GM for the Canadian team, so he may go into coaching. But you might as well keep Jason Kidd if you're going to bring Steve Nash back. I, I think you keep Delonte West and go after a guard. 
That's a good point. I mean, in 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 that respect, you know, let me ask you guys. You know, some of the young players they have on the team that still haven't panned out, and I'm and I'm talking in, in terms of Roddy B. We've been trying to groom him to be this next point guard. He's learned from the best in Jason Kidd and able to watch him in practice. And you hear point guards all over the league credit Jason Kidd for kind of helping them mold their game and mentoring them and, and the guy they look up to and the guy they want to play like. How come a guy like Roddy B who's in the same locker room with him has been this project that we've been basically keeping around for the potential of when he gets it together? And here we go into the season when he has a chance to really stand out and, and doesn't do it. You know, is it is it time to cut bait with players like him to see what we can do as far as getting a trade for him? You got Dominic Jones you drafted for. He's not making any impact on the team. You know, so how do we put trust in Cuban now to try to put together a team when he's never had cap space to look at the free agents? And how, do we, how do we put the trust in him now to put a competitive product on the floor? Well, I, I think he's he's shown in the past, both both he and Donnie Nelson, the ability to put together a quality team. I think the Mavericks, over since Cuban became the, the owner, they've had three basketball teams with a legitimate shot at winning an NBA title, and and of course the one last year won an NBA title. O five O six should have won an NBA title, and the O two O three Mavs would have won the NBA title had Dirk Nowitzki not gone out due to injury. But you're you're right in this in in the sense that it's going to be interesting to see how he does now, and it's because of that collective bargaining agreement. The way the Mavericks used to put together their team is they would trade for veteran players, talented guys, bring guys in and out via trade because the luxury tax didn't matter to Cuban. Under the new CBA rules, it makes it much harder to have a team that's consistently over a luxury tax and still compete. And that's why he really did this. So, well, per- go ahead. Well, and the uh, big thing is, are guys going to want to come here? I, the, the lure of playing with Dirk, in, in my mind, should be enough for uh, Darren Williams or, you know, whoever else the Mavs really target to want to come to Dallas and, and play with a guy like that who, you know, would, would make it, especially a point guard's life so much easier. Yeah, but is that really a lure now, you think? I mean, he's got basically three years left. You know he's not going to be here long term. I mean, they, shouldn't they be looking for a guy, Royce, that is going to be the new face of the franchise? Well, first let me say this. I, I think the thing with Ryder B is Coach Carlisle doesn't trust him. We we saw that this year. You know, he he gave him glimpses of, of, of being a starter. But uh, I don't think he has a lot of faith in Ryder B. But I, I, I would say the Mavericks take a page. It's time to blow it up, the way I look at it. You already blew it up last year. You can't get any worse. I, I think they take a page from teams like Memphis, Philly, some of these young guards, uh, fresh right out of college that made an impact in the NBA. I've seen a lot of great young teams uh, are starting to build just from scratch. Some unknown players, some stars. You already have a star in Dirk. So I, I I say you you go to the talent pool. It's a lot of good talent out there. Let me ask you, Derek. You think with Dirk only having limited amount of you know years left, the window seemingly closing on Dirk. We saw he wasn't in his old basketball shape when he came in the, in, into the season. He had to take some time off to get better. What do you think about Dirk his performance this season? And is is he a big enough attraction now to bring in a Darren Williams or, or other other free agents? 
Dirk was great this season. Uh, Dirk, Dirk got off to a, a slow start because of that knee that was bothering him. I think it was more the knee than it was a, a conditioning thing. He just hadn't really tested that knee since last season. And, you know, he's he's still a great player. He's still one of the five best players in basketball, in, in my opinion. And I think he's going to continue to be that, at least for the next few years. And what's really great about Dirk and why I would think that, you know, especially a younger guy like Darren Williams would, would want to come and, and kind of take over that mantle from him over the next few seasons is because Dirk Nowitzki has the type of play style where he's going to be able to play until he's like 40. If he wants to play until he's 40 years old, he's going to be doing it because he doesn't rely on eye-popping athletic ability. Um, his jump shot's not going to fade. His quickness might. His ability to kind of turn on a, on a dime and, and take his defender to the hole might wane a little bit. But he's as pure a shooter as there is in the NBA, and, and that's just that's, that's going to keep going. And so when you have a guy like that who can pretty much play till whenever – to be that sidekick and that is as unselfish as Dirk is, I think that's a huge selling point for the Mavericks. You know, Dirk is the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> yeah, he is. You're right. Again, we're being joined by uh, Derek Page of HoopsWorld.com, NBA writer for HoopsWorld.com. You can follow him on Twitter at DPageHoopsWorld. And, of course, you go to our website, click on the link, and go to HoopsWorld.com. Again, our site is RFSportsRadio.com. Yeah, before we let you go, man, we can't just ask you about the Mavericks only, man. We got to ask you about everything going on in the NBA as well, too. You sent out a tweet not too oh, yeah. long ago, actually, about uh, the the Utah Jazz and where did the Jazz go from here? Uh, yeah, that's that's actually my, my most recent article on Hoops World is the uh, the different moves that the Jazz might make here in in the off season and. Two of their biggest concerns, I think, especially if you're just on the outside looking in, is point guard with Devin Harris and power forward with the kind of logjam they have with both Millsap and Favors playing pretty good basketball. And they're, they're, they're going to have a lot of decisions to make this offseason in, in terms of who they want to be their starting point guard moving forward. Uh, if Favors is going to take over that role at power forward, if they want to, like in game four against the Spurs, they actually started Favors along with Millsap. They started Favors at the small forward position. Favors had a great game. Millsap, not so much. So they're, they're going to have a lot of questions moving forward. Another really interesting thing about the Jazz is that after this next season, they only have four players under contract for the 2013-2014 season. And each of those players has a team option. So they could be a completely different team two or three years from now if that's the route that they want to go. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do this summer. Well, I have two guards for Utah, Jason Terry and Jason Kidd. I'd be <laughs> glad to deal with I'd be glad to deal with <laughs> I, I, Well, I think Jason Kidd would look great in a, in a jazz uniform. I think right. he, with all those young guys that they have, I think he right. would be a great like, setting influence. Right. And Jason Terry, too. So. Yeah, I think Jason. <laughs> who knows what Jason Terry He's already campaigning for his next position. Again, we thank you for coming on, man. I hope you're going to come on with us hopefully next Tuesday. Definitely. Let's do that. All right. No doubt. Again, again, this is Derek Page, uh, NBA writer for Hoopsroy.com. Remember to follow him on Twitter at uh, dpage. Hoops World to follow him on Twitter. The guy knows everything NBA, and of course we thank him for coming on and sharing his NBA knowledge with us as well too. 
Royce, is Darren Williams going to come? You heard Derek Page, the NBA insider, give us his thoughts. What, what do you think? Is Darren Williams actually going to make it back home to Dallas? Well, I tell you what, if the Rangers win the World Series, he'll stay because he's already wearing the Rangers jersey. And I think if they get that World Series, that would be the turning point to keep to, to make him come to Dallas. But also the fact that it's time he does stay here. Uh, listen, that would be my number one priority if I'm down in there. You say number one priority. Number one priority. Yeah, that I think is kind so of Rick Carlisle. Speaking of uh, guards, you did bring up Jason Kidd. Let's listen to his exit interview real fast. And once we come back for that, we'll hear a little Rick Carlisle. And then we'll bounce right back and talk about Josh Hamilton and some other things going on in sports. Again, this is uh, Jason Kidd's exit interview, followed by Rick Carlisle right here on RF Sports Radio. What went wrong with this team this year, guys? Um, I don't, I'm not looking at it as something went wrong. I mean, um, it was a fast-paced season with 66 games. Uh, we had a lot of ups and downs, but we found a way to get in the playoffs, and we just ran into a better team. I mean, we, on the road, we played two great games where we had an opportunity to win and uh, came up short, and, you know, four out of, three out of the four games, we had opportunities to win. And uh, that's all you can ask for at this time of year. How do you fix things going into next season? Uh, well, I'm a player, so I don't have anything to do with that. That's uh, up to our owner and uh, and the president and GM, those guys, and the coach. They'll, they'll figure out how to get this team better, and, and hopefully I can be back. As a guy out there directing traffic, though, you kind of you have a sense of what the team needs. And Dirk said last night that you guys need, every team needs two or three guys that can create their own offense. Do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I, I believe, uh, you know, Dirk is one of those guys who can get his own shot off at any time. Um, but you need another guy who can do that. And so uh, we'll see if, uh, you know, I think Cuban and those guys have a plan, and uh, we'll see what happens this summer. Do you expect to be back here next year? I would hope so. I mean, I, I really have enjoyed uh, my time here. It's gone by extremely fast. Um, and uh, I feel I can still help uh, a team, you know, win, and, and then hopefully it's back here. How much of your decision is based on finances, and how much would be based on fit? Um, it's uh, it's more fit, uh, but you know, hopefully I do have a little value. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to go come cheap or come free, <laughs> uh, but it's. Uh, you know, I, I, the finance part is that always takes care of it, itself. So, um, but the fit and also being you know comfortable, uh, but in, in this this is a comfortable place. Fits I think well. And again, Cuban and those guys have a plan, and we'll see what happens. How comfortable is Brooklyn? Press season. How do you think the team handled the season? All things considered, the guys handled it great. I mean, uh, the competitiveness was there. Uh, very difficult, some of the health challenges that we faced, but uh, but no one ever complained, and guys kept playing, and so uh, it's I'm I'm certainly disappointed with uh, the result um, and the way it ended, but not the effort. Another summer of uncertainty, even for yourself. Or how do you see all this kind of playing out, and how would you like to see it play out? 
Well, again, I'm not going to talk about my situation right now. Um, but this is a summer that's going to be very exciting for our fans and our franchise. There's there's flexibility for the first time in a long time. Um, Mark and Donnie have been uh, have been great with making things happen, um, even in situations where they haven't had this kind of ability to maneuver. So um, there are a lot of great possibilities, and uh, you know there's there's going to be a lot of decisions that need to be made. So it's. Uh, you know, I, I look at it as I, an opportunity for the franchise and, and something that uh, people should get excited about. How difficult was this season for you personally? Well, <clears throat> you know, I, I approached this season um, with the idea that it was going to be very unique uh, and very challenging from the standpoint of the condensed schedule and the frequency of games. And I just, I never allowed myself to view it. Uh, as a negative thing, I, I, I just I felt this was going to be an opportunity to go through something we never had gone through before. Uh, that we would learn from it, that we would grow from it. I would grow grow as a coach, um, and so I, you know, I was enthusiastic the whole way. Um, it gets difficult when you know some of your better guys have to miss games because of injury, but uh, every team in the league was facing some of that. So that was just the way it was. Um, but you know, in the end, I you know I love the way we competed. I just you know I wish we'd have, we'd have been able to play better and uh, you know obviously win the, win this series, but it just didn't happen. Oh, different with things that. Welcome back, y'all. RF Sports Radio. You can follow us on the web by going to www.rfsportsradio.com. Follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com/slash RF Sports Radio. Royce, we've been. Talking a lot about the Mavericks, of course. Talking a little NBA as well, too. Of course, the Mavericks will be a hot topic for a long time to come. All through the offseason, they try to retool and get their team in better shape. We got a quick mention about another local team here at the Dallas Football Metroplex, the Texas Rangers. Josh Hamilton, four home runs, four two-run home runs in one game. Unbelievable, Rodney. This guy is on fire. I, I, I mean, he's we know this is his contract year, and, boy, he's out selling himself like Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> I mean, the, he's definitely doing that. Anytime someone does that, only 16 players of M- in MLB history have done it. And, of course, it's a contract year for him. You seem to think this guy's going to be a max guy. You think he's a $250 million uh, player, uh, right? Uh, of course. Nobody's done this since 2003. It was Carlos Legado. And like you say, only 16 players that ever do it ever. But, you know, this is his fifth multi-home run game so far this season. The guy is 14 home runs and 36 RBIs, and his batting average is a 406. How can he he not be the most valuable player in Major League Baseball right now? Well, I think you you made a strong argument right there. Based on what you said, I believe he is. (laughs) I think he's... I think he definitely is going to be the, the most valuable player, at least right, right now for this season. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, he's one shot setting the major league record. But having said that about all his accomplishments so far this year, uh, the guy, I mean, you, he command, he's commanding at least a million dollars a year <laughs> for the net wow. four-year contract. You know, but uh, – if the Rangers don't sign him, man, I, I don't know. I don't know what the money situation is there. But uh, if, if they don't sign him, he'll be the 
Father Command, Albert Pujols type money. And we know what he's done so far this year. Yeah, but I'm looking, what I'm looking forward to is on Friday when you finally see you Darvish go up against C.J. Wilson when the, when the Angels come to town. And you're absolutely right. I, this team is on par to, to, to at least make it back to the World Series. You know, not a playoff game. And, that, but, and that's uh, amazing. You, you go to three World Series in a row, you know, and, they're able to pull something like that off, and I guarantee you if Ron Watts is not the, the manager of the year, we know the fix is in at that point. He's been he's been there twice and hasn't even been in real consideration. Well, I tell you what, he, he, he so far he's number one to win that award this year. Having said that, to come back and bring this team to and a great start off for the beginning of the season. I mean, they're on the road. If they can keep this up, they can play like this. There's no one sure they won't be back to the World Series. But if they do make it back the third time, what can you say? He had You have to get the guy coach of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Of course, uh, before we get to our last topic tonight, again, make sure you all follow us on the web by going to rfsportsradio.com. Well, right before we go, can I make two comments about the interview uh, with Jason Kidd and and Coach Carla? Sure, go ahead. I, 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 you know, I almost feel sorry for Coach Carla this year, having a shortened basketball season, having the lockout, all the stuff he had to deal with, not having enough time to get a uh, team together, losing six players, and and we of course we know that he wanted Tyson Chandler to take the one year deal to stay another year. And after that didn't happen, having to deal with the Lamar Odom stuff and, and still get this team to a playoff, we saw the frustration he went through this year. He kicked balls. That's not a, we saw the animation on the sideline. So, you know, I, I, I still give him a high grade of the job he's done. Having said that, I'd like to see the guy come back. And as far as Jason Kidd is concerned, I, I say go to a team like Derry Fisher did, be a guy that motivates a young team uh, as a player coach, get your coaching job and do like Doc Rivers and some of these other guys end up going into coaching because I do think he has a great mind for basketball. Before it's playing, I think it's playing days old. Wow. You think he shouldn't, he shouldn't play it out next season? I, I think it's playing days old. I, I mean, he can, he can be like Jerry Fisher. He can be with some te- young team. Uh, that's prime for the playoffs, bring a lot of leadership, you know, come off the bench. But as far as the starting guard, I think his days of starting guard are over. Well, we know he's not going to be a starting guard, I don't think. I think he can go to a team and be a backup. The question is, you know, kid has got his ring now. He's got a championship ring. He's got a That's a all he ever wanted. He's got a co-rookie of the year when the year he split with Grant Hill. Of course, he was in Dallas that year as well, too. He's in the top three in uh, three-point shooting. You know, he's won all kind of awards. No disrespect to Jason Kidd. I know he's a Hall of Famer. He's a shoe-in. But having said that, there's a time to let the game go. He's played a lot of good years, has a lot of records. I mean, why not, you know, just come off the bench for some team, get you an easy job, and, and go into coaching? Well, that's, that's an interesting viewpoint, man. I think he's going to play next season. I, I think he will. I think he's determined to. I think he really wants to, and, and some teams out there is gonna gonna pick him up. Yeah, yeah, and you, you, you're absolutely right. I, I, you know, I think he would, but uh, for him to stay with the Mavericks, I don't think it's a good choice for them. You know, 
I think he should retire, Maverick, if he does retire. Wow. You you calling for no Jason Kidd next year, huh? No Jason Kidd. Wow. Well, that's, that's, we're going to find out here shortly. So, there was so a draft coming up for the Mavericks. Well, too. Oh, Coach Carlisle? Well, I mean, I, the thing about Coach Carlisle is I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, I, I, I'm with that as far as, you know, you thought he did a good job this season. I feel like that. I don't think he's done a good job of developing some of the other players, unless he really in his heart feels like Roddy's not going to be a baller or Dominique Jones is not going to be able to play or Young Mahimi is not going to be a starter when, you know, he should have started their last game. Of course, we all thought that. We saw how bad Brandon Haywood was, right. you know, and, and, and not really developing Brandon right in time for the playoffs. I guess the short season may have had a role in that, but Brandon's been here since before the season started. I thought he should be ready to play. Roddy B has been here every year that Rick Carlisle's been here. He should be ready to play it up to speed. I know Carlisle's more of a veteran-type coach, but I think he just if he would have done a better job maybe developing some of the players he has to put that bench together, they'd be ready to go. But in his defense, the bench that he did work with and put together wasn't available this season. I, I don't think Brendan Haywood could have went to the Wizards of Oz and got any motivation to play. That's my personal opinion. No, I'm just I, saying he should have made the, he made, made the judgment to star Young Mahimi. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But but, but what he had to work with, it wasn't a whole lot. The the bench didn't give him much. It was a lot of disappointment in some players. Uh, Sean Marion was the second best player on that team. We know that wasn't the case last year. You know, he had Stevenson, he had Tyson Chandler. You lose the defensive player of the year, you know, and uh, you kind of dealt the hand you're given. You understand what I'm saying? I don't think yeah. he had anything to do with the contract. But I, I'm sure in his mind he wanted Tyson Chandler to stay with at least one more year, or at least give him a chance to defend the championship. Yeah, I would say so. Again, guys, you can follow us online, rfsportsradio.com, or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash rfsportsradio. Before we go, I want to thank, of course, Derek Page for coming on, NBA writer for Hoops World. You can follow him on Twitter at dpage. Who's World, uh, to follow him on Twitter. On Thursday's show, same time, we're going to have uh, Cedric Bailey from Musical Soul Food. He's also a sports writer as well, too. We'll talk to him a little bit about all things sports. He'll be joining us on Thursday. Before we go, Royce, I want to bring up a couple of uh, quick topics about the NFL. Of course, we talked about Junior Seau's death on Wednesday. We had just found out about that, gave some details about the stories. We know it now. We know since then it's been – Rules of suicide at this point. And I saw a uh, special on uh, ESPN Outside the Lines that talked about the concussions. And interesting enough, there was a similar case of a gentleman, uh, ex-football player that played with the uh, Chicago Bears. And I, I wish I remembered this guy's name. Jim McMahon was talking about him. He, he played with him. And how he basically went through the same thing. You know, he 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 – Due to his concussions, had some type of condition, CPT, I believe it's called, where he actually shot himself in the chest uh, with the caveat that he wanted someone to study his brain. Well, that sparked a big investigation where they did 19 players. They collected the brains from 19 deceased NFL players, found out that all 19 of them that died based on uh, suicide or, for, or, or similar reasons 
if there are any, uh, they all basically had the same CPT disorder, uh, which I thought was fascinating. And then the NFL today ironically puts out a study that wants to prove the studies they did with the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health, they're saying that actually NFL players live longer than men of the general population. And, you know, Rodney, I, I, I got some few things I'm going to get out of my chest about that. Number one is I think the suicide rate is high among NFL players because, you know, that's their life is football. They start out as young boys, they go to high school, college, and they play football all their life and don't prepare for anything after football. But, you know, as far as the uh, concussions and the suicide, you know, we don't know how much of that has to do with old age. We're not talking about guys in their 40s. We're talking about guys in their 50s and 60s. And we don't know how much that has to do with the population as being older, or, or, or people just ordinary getting dementia, or something like that. So uh, you know, it's kind of hard to say. Football is safer than it ever was before. So I, you know, it, it's unfortunate about the high suicide rate, but I think that has more to do with players not having anything to do. You know, you get into a routine of getting up, going to practice, two a days, summer practice time off of work, being away from the family. You know, it's a readjustment like guys coming home from Vietnam, uh, from the war. It's an adjustment period. A lot of them not able to do it. We see the same thing among active servicemen. So I, I think a lot of that has to do with routine and, and, you know, what you've done most of your life. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you look at, like you said, the military who's, their suicide rate is extremely high right now, too, because guys are coming back and not knowing how to adjust to the world. And, and a football player that's been doing it since uh, five, six years old. Yeah. Right. They've been doing it since then. They're used to having their days planned for them. you got practice at this time, be on the bus at this time. Here's your, right. here's the schedule, how you do things. When they get into the world, they kind of kind of have to you know, relearn a lot of stuff. And, and I, I think that some players and, and – have a hard time adjusting to it, but I think there's still something said for the players that always are taking these ma- massive hits, this head trauma. We know it's the the process is better now than it used to be, but you know watching football, even me watching it growing up, and I know you saw the same thing, a guy gets hit, gets his bell rung, can barely stand up, can't do anything, and, and they basically bring him to the sideline and put him right back in the next series. Well, you know, Ryan, it you can have an accident, and I've seen work-related stuff on, on all of every job, but the same thing has happened to people. But, you know, like I said, we don't know how much of that has to do with them being older and dementia, you know, because how much of the population that age has dementia or any kind well, not, of well, brain not injury? Many. I mean, you got, but you got to admit that it's being pushed, pushed along. You know, a lot of these conditions, you have to admit that these older players, a lot of them are in bad shape. Oh, oh yeah. And I've seen people work all my life that are in bad shape. If you look at the workforce, more people, uh, I've seen more people with carpal tundra, or back injuries, uh, can't work. <laughs> you know, you see that every day. So that, that wear and tear on your body happens to everybody. It's not just football players. Maybe it's more frequent and more it has more of an impact on football players, but I see that in everyday people that work. Do you have any problem with what Kurt Warner did? And he he got some flack from a money tumor, a couple other people. 
when he said that, you know what, I don't recommend my sons play football. Well, you know, that's his opinion. But if you think about it, you know, and look at these guys growing up. They come from impoverished neighborhoods, and that's their dream, you know, to be a football player. They're willing to take that risk because look at the rewards. You know, you get fame, you get money, you get out of your you know, situation, you're able to buy your mom a house. You know, they they willing to take that risk. They take the same risk standing on the corner selling drugs. So, you know, I, 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 it, it's worth the, you know, to some people. You think it's it's, it's always going to be money driven like that? I mean, it's uh, it, oh yeah, football would be just as popular twenty years from now as it is now. You know, several sports over years have gained a bunch of popularity. We had the Kentucky Derby over the weekend. Horse racing used to be the biggest sport in the country, and you see where it's, where it's listed at right now. And I think the NFL right now has to really consider this press, this this stigma they're getting about football. And it's starting now. Their parents don't want their kids to play after hearing all these stories. These stories don't make sports, and so they make sixty minutes. Well, Rodney, you try to tell a five-year-old kid. You try to tell a five-year-old kid that dreams of being in the NFL and really an athlete in high school starts out with the fame and even in college, not to be a football player, not to the, the dream of dreams, not to get out of the improvised neighborhood, not to make it better for your family, your mother, your yourself. I mean, that's impossible. True. So football would always be around and always be a popular sport simply for that fact. Another thing that came out today, uh, well, actually yesterday, was a study that I saw that, uh, well, I saw yesterday a study that was done that says uh, most NFL players, the average the average career for NFL players is right at four and a half years. And 72% of the players that come out of the NFL have financial trouble within the first three years. Yeah, well, I, I can understand that, but if you think about it, these guys make more money. In four years, if some people make their entire life. I know. I know it. I know it. <laughs> and let me tell you something. 78% of the population that are, that have retired don't have enough to retire on anyway. Yeah, you're right. You know, <laughs> they, I, you know, they really don't. I was listening to uh, Chris Carter this morning on the radio. They asked him about that, and he said, well, you have to understand is that, you know, in my NFL career, you know, the stock market has crashed twice. So even if I had my money yeah. put up in a money market right. account or something like that, I lost right. some money then. You know, he then he also went into it and said, you know what, I've been lucky I haven't gotten a divorce. That, you know how much, you, you know what a divorce could do to you. He said, my kids, luckily, they like me. You know, they're not estranged. They're not spending money on lawyers. They're spending money on them. They're kind of doing their own thing. You know, he brought up a good point that, you know, sometimes these decisions we don't really think about. Oh, the cause of, of why these guys are, are broke now. That, that's right, and and it, I also saw a survey the other day too that said people are gonna have to work longer. They're not gonna be able to retire at the retirement age. We're talking about seventy-one. Can you imagine if you had to play football that long? You know, wow. till you're fifty. You know, just to have retirement. So it's really bad all over. And you know, like I said, these guys make a lot of money in a short time. You know, and, and that's one thing they have to do. You have to make yourself financially stable. And you can't count on just football, you know, to be your livelihood. You know, a lot of these guys go to college. 
you know, you, you got a free ride, you got a free education. You have to prepare yourself after. That's in any part of life. You have to prepare yourself for retirement. And like I said, 78% of the population right now don't have enough money to live on and are going to have to work longer. So, yeah. you know, these guys really have it better than a lot of folks. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. Sweetly, guys, I got to bet a lot of folks, of course, before we end our show. Again, you can always check us out here live every Tuesday and Thursday. Also, follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash rfsportsradio and on the web at rfsportsradio.com. Before we go, one NFL player that's I think you would say he's done well, all right, and and he may not have done too well in some of his decisions as of late. Uh, and this guy here, I got to bring it up because he gets my – he gets my – Smartest guy in the room award for the day, and that's Deion Sanders. Of course, he had his trial. Wow! <laughs> with, with his estranged wife, Pilar, is trying to get divorced from. They both accused each other of an, an abuse, a, a domestic violence, a, uh, a battery case. So they had they had court today. All right, and they they did this blog live from court as they things were going on. It was a public trial. And she made the case that he had uh, used a statue outside of his room right. to hit her with, right? Right. So the smartest guy, the smartest guy in the room, Deion Sanders, primetime, has the statue itself wheeled in on the yeah, on the I, I uh, saw dolly. That. A six I saw foot that. Sta- six foot seventy pound statue wheeled in on a dolly to show the courtroom that you know what, there's no way I picked this up and hit her with it. And then, and then in the smartest move of the day, Royce, when he leaves the courtroom, wheels it out of the courtroom, gets it to his car, and asks someone for help loading it in the car, just so they can just know he he can't pick it up by itself. Well, Rodney, you know it's unfortunate that the divorce is being played out in public. Uh, I don't know why they can't go in the closed room. But, but, work this but thing you know out. If they if they want a reality show type divorce, Royce, well, we can still true. enjoy that's it, true. right? I, I, I think it watching makes, and enjoy it. It makes for TMZ. You know, they did have a reality show. I, I don't know if he missed that or not, and he's playing it in front of the camera. But what bothers me is getting the kids involved in that. It should be among the adults. Getting your kids, tweeting your kids, making out police reports against your wife, the kid's mother. You know, I, I thought that was pretty bad. But I don't know why they can't go in the room as much money and as big as that house is, they could probably stay on one side, put a wall, and she could stay on one side, they could stay on the other. But, uh, I, you know, it's, I just playing out like that, but I, I couldn't do that. That's <laughs> just me personally. But we always know that Deion Sanders was a media hound, and uh, I saw her on TV too, so I don't know if this they, they're trying to get a new TV show to break up with Deion and Pilar, so I, I don't know if it's opposite still what. Yeah, I think so. That was a pretty good move. That was a funny move. That was a funny move with Dion. Dion was good entertainment. Before we go, guys, we want to leave you with some comments from Dirk Nowinski, talking a little bit about this season, what it means, and what needs to happen next uh, next year for this team. Again, thank everyone for listening tonight. Make sure you tune in on Thursday for another live taping of the show. Also, download us on iTunes. Follow us on the web at rfsportsradio.com, and of course on Twitter at rfsportsradio. Thanks to Derek Page, NBA writer from HoopsWorld.com. You can follow him on Twitter, at DPageHoopsWorld. Until then, everyone be safe. We'll leave you guys with a little Dirk Nowinski on his exit interview. 
surprised that it all ended so quickly for you guys this season. Yeah. Well, um, as far as I remember, I don't ever, I've never been swept, I think, in my career. Um, so, yeah, it's disappointing, obviously frustrating. We felt like we had some chances, uh, especially in game one and game two. And then last night, uh, I think still a 10-point lead in the fourth. Um, so if you can't find a way to close one of those games out, then uh, then I guess you, know, you get swept. Uh, that's just what it is. But really, you could see that coming uh, all season long. I think we uh, we had trouble closing our games all all season for whatever reason. Um, we were great at closing out last year. Um, just knowing in, uh, down the stretch we're going to find ways to get the stop in the basket and. Uh, for some reason this year, it uh, just wasn't, it was never the same from the beginning on. And uh, you can't just say in the, in the playoffs it's going to be different and we're going to win those close games. And apparently you saw we, we could have flipped that switch. A lot of question marks with this team. How do you fix all of it here? Well, you know, I think it's too early to talk about all that right now. We, we just lost. Um, I think free agency is obviously something that we need to look at. Uh, we got a lot of free agents even in our locker, locker room. Uh, the coach is a free agent, so I mean there's a uh, a lot of stuff that uh, that, that this uh, organization has to decide on in the next couple of months. But you know it's, it's May or whatever, just beginning of May now. I don't, I don't think it's uh, anything to decide on now. I think uh, we're gonna have to wait to see what the playoffs bring, uh, what the next couple of weeks bring. And, um, but. You know, we'd obviously love to get better. I think that's that's obvious. Um, we went for a, a cap space for the first time in my career. Um, and so we'll, we'll see what we can do with that the next year or next two years. Um, but we definitely want to improve the franchise. It's, uh, that's, I think, a given. Every, anytime you have a suspect year, going to playoffs with seventh seed, uh, losing the first round, you know, the goal is to... Uh, uh, to make the, the team better, um, so we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks. How concerned are you personally in terms of this team because there are some pieces to be put together? Yeah, I mean, like I said, we're, we're an older team um, and a bunch of free agents, so I don't even know how many guys we got on the contract now, five or six maybe. Um, so there, there's a, there's a lot of open spots and a lot of decisions to be made. Um, but you know, Mark and Donnie um, always make make good decisions, or trying to make the best decisions for for this for this franchise. So um, we'll, we'll just have to wait to see what's happened. But um, concerned? I mean, yeah, well, we need to get better. I think that's that's my only concern. I mean, we as the Mavericks, usually we pride ourselves the last decade not to play for the seventh seed or or the eighth seed or just to make it into the playoffs. Our goal was always to be. Obviously, on the top four in the West, get home court and, and make a deep run. That was that was always our goal. It's it's not to just make it into a playoff. You mentioned making the move to get cap space. Does that make it a necessity now that you guys get a big fish free agent? Well, it's, I don't know what what uh, what what Mark and uh, Donnie want to do or want to go after. I, I heard Mark say that he doesn't really have a plan. Or uh, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, but usually. I think that's the goal, right? You have cap space, so you can actually uh, <laughs> so you can actually sign somebody decent. Uh, so 
Hey, well, we'll just have to wait and see and let this sink in. I think, well, obviously, last night it was it was frustration there. Um, after after a, a tough season with with a lot of ups and downs, um, so I think ultimately you, you need a plan, uh, and we'll, we'll see what that is in the next couple of weeks. So how important is 